So if you've got $2,300 a month of social security coming in and you're spending 4,000 approximately a month in expenses, mm -hmm. there's a gap. That's right. So, so how do you fill that gap? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in today's episode, we have uh, author Harry Stout back with us. Hi, Harry. Thank you for coming back for a second episode. Glad to be here, David. Thank you. And I say a second episode, this is probably our, our sixth or seventh episode, because every time you write a book, Harry, we have you on, and we do multiple episodes because there's so much rich content. And so in our last episode, we talked about your book, Today's Annuity Products. I'm going to pause there for a second. Today's Annuity Products. In today's episode, we're going to actually talk about some of the difference between yesterday's annuity products, you know, the 80s, the 90s, and today. We're going to talk about today's annuity products. Well, we introduced it last time with your book, Today's Annuity Products, A Tool to Create Protected Lifetime Income. So we recognize that there's a tool out there. We recognize that it is a fairly financially sound tool because it's with large insurance companies. I'm thinking AIG, I'm thinking Zurich, I'm thinking these companies that you may recognize from the news that are uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in value, right? Their capital. And so, um, so there's that and they're regulated by the government and there are some guaranteed funds uh, that are set up. So we talked about that there's this tool out there, but in today's episode, Leo and Harry and I are really gonna talk about where does this tool work for you? When does it fit into your financial life? Um, there are some, some, we talked about the benefits and we talked about the negatives, but we didn't get into the nuance of, of the, what's going on in the world today? What are different people saying about annuities and, and where would it fit in your financial life? So Harry, welcome back for this second episode. Uh, we, we've gotten feedback as people listen in to the first episode and people are saying, hey, we want to go deeper. We want to understand more. Um, we get what it is now. We get the fixed. We get the variable. Uh, we understand the tax deferred abilities. But, but when would I use this? And, and I've heard good and I've heard bad. Okay, so I'm, I'm saying all that. Welcome back, Harry. I just want to say thanks again for being here. <laughs> well, David, glad to, I'm always great to be with, there with you and Leo. And uh, let's have fun today. Let's go through and, and look at some of these questions your, your, uh, your audience has, and I'll, I'll do my best to uh, provide them with the answers. Awesome. And then I'm also going to say this at the top of the episode. I'm on financialverse.com right now as we're talking this is harry's website financialverse.com and i'm looking through because we're not going to get to cover everything in today's episode so i want to put this on the front end we're just going to have fun and chat about it but you have great resources with links that talk about people's employee benefits that talk about financial resources even referring to the consumer finance protection bureau uh, credit and debt tools insurance uh, advisors understanding how to find an advisor so I'm pointing people to your website. I'm pointing people to gettingmoneyright.com. I'm pointing people to leosabo.com. Look for more. We're not going to cover it all in today's episode, but I think we're going to have some fun. And I'm also going to say, if you want to keep learning, uh, go to the spend to tab in Harry's website, financialverse.com, and just commit to spending two hours a week, which is only 17 minutes a day, mm -hmm. learning new financial habits. 
And in a way, we do that with Getting Money Right, where you've got a 30-minute episode every week. But Harry, every day, puts 17 minutes of great resources and tools and content in front of you to change your habits. So commit to spend time with Harry in that regard. Okay, Harry, let's dig in just for a minute on, in my mind, the big questions. Uh, I'm, I'm in my 30s, and I'm thinking about retirement, and I'm thinking, how much should I be planning for retirement. Now I know you can't answer specific for David Thompson, but but you know, I'm looking at I've got another 30 years of accumulation, but when I get there, and what are the people today? What are people spending today in retirement? How do we even begin to formulate an idea of how much we should be planning to spend in retirement? All right, so let me let me try to give you an example and I'll um, as we look at this there are some sources where you can go, David, to understand what households spend in retirement. And let's start there. If you go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and you take a look at the information they provide on what a household with two people age 65 or older, you know, how much do they spend a year? Well, they spend about 40, I think it's $45,000 a year is, is the approximate number. By the way, younger households spend $63,000 a year. So th- there's that's there's, not surprising. Yeah, <laughs> that's not surprising. No, no, it's not. And and and, and but those of us who have kids and all the other issues of life and and uh, the, the, maybe the house is paid off a variety of different issues and they go through the com- the composition of what those numbers are. But say forty five thousand dollars a year. Now today, what income do that does that that older couple have coming in? Typically, combined Social Security benefit for two people about twenty three hundred dollars. So if you've got $2,300 a month of Social Security coming in and you're spending 4000 approximately a month in expenses, mm-hmm. there's a gap. That's right. So, so how do you fill that gap? Now, you at age, being a much younger gentleman, as you sit there, you, know, you need to look at this and determine what you think you're going to spend in retirement, what benefits you're going to get from not only Social Security, maybe you're lucky enough to have a pension. There are some other things that you have, but you need to compare the outflow and the inflow. And that's the way you kind of begin to have the conversation to see what what kind of challenge do I face? And how much much am I going to have to accumulate to generate that income for me when when I go to stop working? Well, and I love this because this goes into conversation that Leo and I have had in our investing episodes and obviously in our budgeting episodes, because our I believe that our listeners have a, a fairly deep understanding in budgeting and putting a plan in place. But now that they know what they should be planning for, about $4,000 a month in expenses, and obviously that can fluctuate based on lifestyle. Every person is going to look at their own situation and, and be making different decisions. Absolutely. But I love playing with this target number. I think that's a great target number, $4,000 a month in expenses. And then we look at the breakdown of how could somebody get there? And you mentioned, Harry, Social Security for many couples is going to be about $2,300 a month, potentially. Um, Now, so let's take that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I'm just saying that's our example today. And we're not, and please, our audience. Oh, we're not guaranteeing anything to our audience. No, no but <laughs> no, we're just trying, we're just trying to give them a framing so they yeah. can see that what the challenge looks like. Right. And I think that's important to begin the thinking. Right. And, and this is, this is awesome to me because now that we have this framework and we're saying maybe it's $4,000 in retirement, you could, you could attack that in a bunch of different ways. So let's say that over the, the accumulation of your life, you accumulate and you invest all of your money into four 
rental properties. And those four rental properties are all giving you $1,000 a month of income in retirement, you're getting $4,000 a month. So, so real estate is a viable way to think through this. I, I personally am looking specifically today, uh, I do a lot in stocks and bonds and mutual funds and index funds. So I'm looking at the stock market, which is all companies. I could, we talked about the 4% rule, um, you know, back in the day, Leo, we've talked about the 4% rule. We've talked about these other pieces of investing. I could get to the place where I am uh, looking at about a million dollars of savings in uh, stocks and bonds and mutual funds and index funds, and I'm pulling 4% of that off a year, that's about $40,000. That's almost $4,000 a month. That's another way to tackle this is having a million dollars in investments. And, and then this is what I love as we begin to talk about annuities. Annuities and social security is another way to begin to help you tackle this $4,000 of expenses. You could look at social security, which we talked about last episode, is essentially a deferred annuity that you begin taking out at retirement. Well, you could do that with these insurance companies and all three, and now there's more than these three ways to do it, but all three of these have risks and have values. If you have four real estate, four pieces of property, that may be really solid today. But economically, you don't know what that's going to look like 10 years from now. You don't know if real estate values are going to go up, going to go down. Politically, economically, things can change. It's the same with the stock market. Companies can go out of business. You know, your portfolio could go up, your portfolio could go down. So what's interesting to me about this third option with the annuities is that there are some more guarantees in place to give you a solid baseline. Now, nothing is ever perfectly guaranteed. But, but you have a large insurance company backing it, you have state regulations backing it, and you've got state guarantee funds backing those insurance companies by shared risk pools. And we don't need to go into all those details. But what I want our audience to think through is, let's say you're planning for $4,000 a month in retirement, maybe 1,000 is covered by a real estate property, maybe 1,000 is covered by your investments in index funds and mutual funds, maybe 1,000 is covered by fixed annuities, and maybe 1,000 is covered by social security, and anything additional in social security is, is gravy. So what I'm, what I'm interested in is, uh, how would you look at this income challenge that we have, Harry, and say, man, you know what a really good baseline would be for annuities would be $500 of those a month in those expenses or $1,000 a month? Or would you try to shoot for all $4,000 of expenses? Or would you try to break it down with social security? I know you can't give specifics on any individual basis, but how do you think about that problem that we all wrestle with and face with the volatility of stocks, the volatility of real estate, the security of these fixed insurance products? How do you wrestle with that in your mind, Harry? Yeah, what I look, David, is I, I look at annuities to maybe if I looked at that 4,000 a month and maybe uh, maybe a thousand of it is heat, light, power, food, and my real estate taxes. And maybe I would want to make sure those were all covered because I had planned on paying off my house at that point in time. And so, so wouldn't it be nice to have a, a lifetime guaranteed payment sufficient to cover the bulk of those costs? So you might use an annuity for that particular that particular segment of expenses. Uh, two things I want to add to, to, to what you just said, and, 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 and this will, I think, wake up some people in the audience. Only about 30% of people go through and have a plan. 
30% of people have a plan. Now, and as a young man, uh, as a young man, I, Yogi Berra, the old baseball player, catcher for the Yankees, had a saying, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's with money, that's really important. Having the plan will force you to sit down and make some decisions. Now, uh, the, the, the 45,000 of op expenses we said at age 65, right? If you look at that, probably doesn't have a large slug for travel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But suppose I want to say, well, look, I'm, as soon as I retire or as soon as I stop working full time, you know, we want to go on cruise. We want to go on four cruises a year or we want to go here. So you, maybe you need, maybe you need a thousand a month for travel or 2000 a month for travel to fund your needs. Well, you got to build that in. So maybe that 4,000 a month is 6,000 a month. Right. Uh, and, and you got to look at that and you got to make sure that that's there. But, or you might want to say, and I've seen a lot of people do this and, and, and uh, David, I think you see it in, in particular, both you, you and Leo with your backgrounds. Some people, when they stop working full time, will take a mission. They'll, 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 they'll go abroad. They'll look to help people. How you fund that? Cause typically they're paying for that themselves. Mm -hmm. So, so how do they do that? And what money do they put aside to make that happen? And so you, if you don't plan for these things, and, and so what I say today, and, and I, I, this, I don't know if you both agree with it or not, but I don't think we're retiring. I think we're fulfilling. Mm -hmm. That's great. So if, so if you're going to plan for that later stage of life, when you stop working full time and you're doing the things you want to do, could be family, travel, church, education, charitable activities. You've got to have money that's going to be there to help you do that. And if you don't, then, you know, then that's the situation where you're wearing the sign at the restaurant or you're driving DoorDash or you're doing something out of the ordinary, which is all honorable and things that people could do, but it may not be what they want to do. I think it's a byproduct because what you said about only 30% actually planning is that that's the result of it, unfortunately, is that you see people who are ill-prepared. They can't really stop working because they don't have enough investment products to provide that 4,000 or whatever that number is. And it's interesting that I don't believe I've ever spoken to anyone that said, in retirement, I'm going to spend half of what I spend today. If anything, they want to do more. They want to be more free to, to do the things they couldn't do while they were working. So it's really, honestly, most of the time, I would think that you actually spend more time and more money. <laughs> so, so you should really kind of plan that way. Well, no, I don't disagree with you. And I think it depends on the income level of the household. And if you've got a very successful household, you know, maybe, maybe what, uh, what their spending is going to be in retirement might be uh, substantially less than what they had before. But, for be. the, but the lion's share of households, middle America households, you're gonna, I think you're going to spend close to what you were spending when you were working. That's right. That's right. right? You, you are. And I don't disagree there. Yeah. Well, and, and I, think, I think that's true. And I think it all comes down to the planning because right now I even look at, at our situation and if we're saving 15% of our income every year for retirement and for long-term saving, well, when we get to retirement, we're not going to be still setting aside 15% of our income for retirement. So that's a 15% reduction in our quote unquote expenses. And if you've paid off your house, you won't have the mortgage. Hopefully you've paid off your cars. So, so I can see how it would dip, but I can also see you've got energy, you've got joy, you've got margin, you want to travel, you want to, you want to fulfill your mission, you know, to the, whatever you feel like is been placed inside of you to serve people. So it really is very unique to each individual, but I love this conversation because this, this gives us a framework for 
what do I want to do in retirement? Mm-hmm. And and you've you've talked, I think, in the past when we did the financial verse episode where we talked about your first book. Again, phenomenal work, Harry, doing the outline. I love how you did the outline of the full financial universe, the financial verse. And then now you're honing in to life insurance and annuities and these different opportunities for people to look really deep in. But when we talked about the financial verse, you were talking about this kind of three-legged stool uh, of the fulfilling stage of savings. What does that look like in retirement? And I think these are good frameworks that help us think through. So give us a quick once over on that three-legged stool one more time, Harry, because it was valuable in the financial verse. And I think it fits in this specific segment. Yeah, for, for most people, when you look at how do they accumulate uh, assets for retirement, in, our, in the industry, there's been the three-legged stool. The three-legged stool are you'll get money from government programs. That would be your Social Security retirement benefit. Uh, you'll get health benefits from Medicare or Medicaid, depending on your situation. So you've got government benefits. You've got corporate benefits that you get. Now, more today, you know, most companies have replaced defined benefit pension plans with four defined contribution plans, and they're still there, and that's a source. I mean, you put money away there, that's a good way for you to get to your 10 or 50, your 15 or even 20% putting away your savings using, a, say, a 401k plan, and that generates income later on, right? Ultimately, those, those plans will generate income, and now you're starting to see disclosures of if you put this money in your 401k, this is how much income you, could look to, you should look to get when you retire. That's powerful for people because if forces them to look ahead. So the second stool would be the second leg of the stool would be your corporate plan. So government, corporate. The third is private, your private savings, how you're going to put money away into real estate, investments, annuities, life insurance, how you're going to put that money away into those different asset classes, if you will, to help you solve your equation for how much income you need later in life. That's great. Thanks for going over that. That's a great reminder of of those three different um, legs of the stool for our financial well-being in the retirement. Uh, that's it's part of that planning is you're looking ahead, you're thinking, how do I come up with this number that I need in retirement? And there are different ways to approach that. And uh, yeah, that's great. Let's return a little bit more to the annuity part of this, because I think as we talked in the last episode with you, uh, there are many benefits. There are some, of course, cons to to every product. There's There's positives and negatives, I guess I could say. But part of the feedback we received and some of the things that I know I have come across in my own coaching and connecting with financial planners and friends that I have that are in the industry is that there is some negative connotation and some negative press about annuities and and some unfortunately are true and some are not. So let's dispel some of that because what I don't want is for people to hear annuities and then have that barrier in their mind because something they heard from someone uh, said that's the worst thing you can do. Let's educate our people so that if this is an option for them, and it sounds like it could be, that they're not just going to dismiss it. So talk about some of the some of the things that have happened in that uh, in that product in the past. What's new today? Something that I'm sure you have touched on in your book, um, so that we have a better understanding and maybe take away some of the uh, bad information, maybe. Yeah, I think I think when you when you cut through it, Leo, it's just a lack of education as to the different types of products how they're created and what they're supposed to do. Many people, when they talk about annuities, think of them simply as an investment. Mm -hmm. And they don't view them as an insurance product. Mm. They view them as simply an investment. So they compare an annuity to a mutual fund. 
Uh, well, you, you really can't do that because the, insu the insurance product comes with the insurance wrapper of solvency regulation, operational control, um, reserving, all the, all the aspects of having been produced by a life insurance company and being an insurance product. So a lot of the difference that happens in the marketplace, that's, that's one number one fundamental reason. I, I think that pops up. Number two, there have been high fee annuities and high cost annuities, but a lot of that has been swept out of the market in the last five years. And that's why my book, Today's Annuities, and I appreciate David saying that, it's today. And so you have to look at what's going on. So if you look at the spectrum of products available today, there are some with absolutely no fees, and there are others with fees. And I've been involved in situations where people are paying fees and they're saying, I'm happy to pay the fee that that got me the guarantee I wanted. It got me the income I wanted. I'm, I'm okay with that. And other times other people say, no, I don't want to pay that fee. I, I want another option. I don't like that. So I, I think it gets down to understanding that they're insurance products, how you're using them and what you're paying. What, what are you paying to get the benefits that are there? Now, disclosures, how the product is sold and what the salesperson has to disclose to the consumer. That's all has improved substantially and will in the next couple of years improve even more with recent legislation that's, that's it's going state by state. So the disclosures are all there. I think it's, it's a much more transparent process with significantly more disclosure and education so the consumers can see what they're buying, what it does and what they're looking, you know, how it fits for them. But that's why an educated consumer is so important. You, re you really ought to have, spend some time, a consumer should spend some time understanding the basics of these products before they walk in. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm gonna say this, and I, and I don't say this disparagingly, but in our, in our country today, the level of personal finance knowledge and literacy is quite low. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so it, it takes people, some, people have to spend some time studying before they go by. The same thing, by the way, for an auto insurance policy, a personal umbrella policy, uh, you know, or health insurance policy. My gosh, that's an area that's, that's fun and games for all of us. Uh, <laughs> you know, think about it. How educated a consumer you need to be in that, that particular purchase, even if it's right. an employee benefit. Right. So, so I think a lot of, of what's happened has been a result of lack of transparency and a lack of understanding. And I think those can be overcome today. And then the other thing is the companies have, have, have done a better job. They're being more innovative, creative, adding more consumer benefits, long-term care benefits, terminal illness, uh, different income types of benefits. So they're, they're looking to be much more consumer-oriented. And uh, an example would be, and I'll give you one great example. In the last two years, J.D. Power has started rating annuity companies. So mm. you can get a, a J.D. Power rating on an annuity company. When I first started in the business, you know, someone said, what's an annuity company? You know, we were, you know they would. They would. They, right. they did, people didn't understand. Because right. I, I began to sell annuities when annuities were 12%. You get twelve percent interest. Wow! And <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore, does it? <laughs> well, and people did, David. They they did. People signed up left and right. That's twelve percent tax deferred. Hey, I'm in. And so, uh, and there were other tax rules and procedures then that made it even more attractive. But so, so I think it's a process now of it's it's as we talk today, it's two thousand and twenty one. Uh, it's a it's a different world in terms of consumer expectation, consumer transparency, hmm. quality of the products, and and the and the companies that are there. And as you look in our in our country today, you have 50 companies that basically sell all the annuity products in the U.S. 
and they're getting larger and larger, and there's good reason for that. Yeah, and I just want to focus on something you said, Harry, which is that there are the companies, there are the products, but a lot of transparency has happened over the last, especially over the last few years. So that information is available. I think some of the reasons some of these products earlier on and some of the fees and some of the abuses that were happening, or at least alleged <laughs> abuses from some of the people who, who felt like they were being taken advantage of. There were some, but there were some, there were some abuses. Sure, I'm sure there were. But I think there's less and less of that because of the transparency, because of the ability for us to be able to dig into these products. And it's not, we're not signing or don't have to sign something we don't understand. And because there's more information available, it behooves us to be that center person, that most important person, which is we need to be educated. We need to understand it. We can't rely on someone else to do that for us. This is just part of our responsibility to manage our resources. I don't want anyone out there listening to this thinking, I just need to buy an annuity to cover 25% of my uh, needs in retirement. No, understand if that is true for you. Understand the protection, understand the fees, understand the cost, your investment, all of it. It might fit your needs, it might be a portion of your portfolio, but it might not. And that's completely up to you and you can't blame anyone else if it doesn't work out your way. So let's not be ignorant, let's be uh, learning and educating ourselves so that we are better at investing, so that we're securing uh, what we're doing and knowing that as much as we could and as much as we have been able to, we've done and made the best decisions possible with the information we have. Absolutely, Leo. One, one item to add there, and that would be this, you know, look at consumer complaints, which are really very, very minuscule mm -hmm. for the products that are offered today. I think that's a, that to me, that's a, a good indicator of what goes on. But again, an educated consumer, my, my whole point, my whole point today in my book and so on, very few places to get guarantees today. Yeah. And think about it. And I, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to complicate this more, but if we went into negative interest rates uh, a year from now, you know, uh, having a product that paid me 2% a year might look pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially if, you know, if I've got to pay 50 basis points to the, you know, it's like if you're in Europe, I'm paying 50 basis points to the bank each year to hold my money. You don't want to do that, right? It is amazing that they reach negative interest rates in Europe. Basically, yeah. you are paying the bank to hold your money. Yeah. That is amazing to me. Like what you're talking about is where the, the, the insurance company pays us 2% while they hold our money. In Europe today, there are banks that they are having to pay their money for the bank to hold their money. It's crazy. I mean, I get it. I understand economically how it works, but it's just it's something you wouldn't have thought we'd ever run into. And we are not uh, immune from having that happen here in the States. Right. No, I totally agree. But again, from I think just building on Leo said, you got to understand what you're buying. Yeah. And again, if you know your plan, if, if you if you have if you're working with a qualified financial professional, you know what your goal is, you know what your income levels are, you can see how this fits in. And like with any financial product, you you know, all the, the old going back to the, the your basket of eggs, you know, all your golden eggs, you know, you don't want to put them all in one basket. You know, you want to make sure you've got diversity in all you do. But I think for folks, a lot of people are missing this tool because you can't get guarantees in a lot of places. And the companies that are offering these guarantees, as, as David said earlier, these are large financial services companies, heavily regulated, heavily capitalized, that are there to provide these benefits to consumers. And so they're there to help out. And, and so uh, I, I think there's opportunity there for consumers to win and the companies to win as everyone treats each other fairly and they're educated. 
Excellent. Now, Harry, I'm going to ask you some really subjective questions that there could be a million different answers to. So we're not going to hold you to this having to be exactly, you know, accurate for every situation. But in general, you know, at what income, annual income range would you recommend a family start looking at annuities? Would you recommend an annuity to somebody earning $20,000, $50,000 a year, $100,000 a year? At what range would you start to say, hey, this is definitely becoming a more and more attractive option that you need to be looking at in your mind? Well, you know, I, I don't know if it relates to income level, David. That's great. I, you know, because I'd look at the assets that that person has, because there are plenty of households in our country that that have lower incomes but high assets yeah so so i mean i think and, and again what are you looking to do with the annuity how does it fit into your plan where does it fit to providing income for you or accumulation yeah yeah that's interesting where would you go on the asset side have what what size of assets or net worth T- typically typically households with a hundred thousand dollars or more of assets yeah and the, the typical annuity if you look at the industry research you know typical buyers of annuities age 50 and older okay Hundred thousand dollars, because really the the uh, interestingly the average annuity sale today on a fixed annuity, for instance, is eighty thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes it's about eighty thousand dollars, and and if someone's buying an income annuity to generate monthly income, those are on average about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars purchase. That's what people are buying. So those are typically higher asset households. Yeah. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go back to the income test as much, but I'd, I'd look at the age, where they are in their planning, what they've accumulated, and how they're looking to use those assets in a better way to generate the income that they need. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I remember just a couple of years ago, I sat down with a, a few financial planners, and um, one of them heavily, heavily recommended an annuity to me. And uh, I guess I was probably 30 at the time, maybe 31, 32, but it's a couple of years, a couple of years back. And, and it felt early to me in my financial journey and, uh, and, and net worth. I don't know where we're at financially, but it just felt early. Um, are there any red flags that you would watch out for? Because when, it, when he brought that up and I was looking at my overall scope, maybe it was an accurate time to bring it up. To me, it felt a little early. To me, it felt a little off. Are there any red flags or places where you say, hey, no, be comfortable. That's not weird. Like that's a, That guy was trying to do the best for you, the consumer. Any red flags or things you'd add to that, Harry? Well, you know, I think that's an individual situation by situation uh, uh, answer. Uh, you know, you might find someone in their early 30s um, fully funded emergency uh, emergency fund, uh, totally, uh, you know, very low mortgage balance, uh, have significant savings every month, potentially going into, say, index funds or investments of some sort. Uh, maybe they could use a variable annuity, which has, and the, has the equity growth in it. Maybe that's a way to, to, get, to pick up tax deferral on those, on those equity savings that they were making every month, those equity investments. And maybe the annuity could be a good wrapper for them, and that could be a, a part of their overall strategy. So I can see how that might fit, but to, in order to reach that, uh, that, that, that answer, you have to do sufficient information gathering to see where that individual is, other sources of assets, income, where they are to make that recommendation. Mm, so, good. you know, it's like just a thought. That's good, Harry. So as we wrap up, I do have one more question before we close. And that is, if someone were interested in buying an annuity, and of course, you said that most people who buy an annuity are 50 and up, but what if somebody is, let's say, in their early 40s and are considering to look at it and decide to do it? Are 
annuity products always bought as a as a cash type of so they need to bring a hundred thousand dollars put it down and buy it or is that something you can invest in like you would in a, a savings uh, investment where you're putting certain amount per month until it builds up and then at a certain age you can start taking it out yeah leo you can buy them that way that the, the annuities can be bought two ways they can be bought with a single premium or what are called flexible premiums putting in so much a month. There's many of the flexible premium contracts usually you have to start out maybe with a $2,000 initial down payment and you can make subsequent deposits into the contract. Some companies have minimums. Maybe you have to put 500 in uh, at, at each time. Others maybe have lower minimums, but you can buy an annuity either way. Okay. And for instance, in, in certain markets, there, there are annuities that have been designed for the teacher market, for instance, where teachers put in an average of $6,000 a year. They do that by payroll deduction, and that builds up on a tax-deferred basis for them for their retirements in later years. Specialized products, uh, different set of restrictions around it, but you can do it, you can do it both ways. So if you have someone in your audience that's looking to do it, you can do that both ways. But again, to, to make a decision like that, someone you really need to sit with someone to make sure your emergency fund's in place, you got your life insurance state, you know, you got your protections in place before you go ahead and, and make that decision. That yeah. would be my suggestion. That's that's a great place to kind of land this plane. Um, regardless of what you're thinking out there about your retirement and your investing for retirement, uh, don't put the cart before the horse. Uh, and what we mean by that is make sure that you have a plan. As Harry said, only 30% of people actually plan. And that's not just for retirement. Realize that if somebody's not planning for retirement, there's a good chance they're not managing their money by a plan either. So our suggestion is start with some of the basics, uh, build savings, build an emergency fund, have margin, begin to invest, do so by learning how to invest, by diversifying your investment, by looking at different products. Maybe annuities will fit at some point, so become educated buy Harry's book. Um, that will be a great place to start where you can learn uh, what annuities are all about, what the types of annuities as we went through uh, in the last episode. Uh, this is just great information for you to become more equipped on how to be a better investor, how to set up your own financial well-being for years and years to come. Harry, thanks so much for taking the time, not just this episode, but the previous, uh, to be with us. We know that every time you're on, you're adding value to our um, our listeners, and of course, uh, the continued um, content creation that you're doing is just amazing. So please continue. We we love to uh, continue to learn from you because you have so much to give. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to be with uh, much, us today. Much appreciated. It's always a pleasure being with both of you. Thanks, Harry. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, that it was beneficial to you. If you did, we would love if you would subscribe to our podcast, either on Apple Podcast or any other podcast app that you're using currently. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and leave us a review so that more people will find getting money right and benefit from this content. Don't forget to visit thefinancialverse.com where you can find out everything that Harry's doing, all the great content uh, that he's continuing to produce and the education, the financial education he's providing through that website. You will find that it's of great value and we really encourage you to go there. To gain access to this podcast show notes, find financial tools and other relevant content, visit leosabo.com where you'll find me and everything I'm up to. And also go to stewardshippastors.com. That's where David hangs out. He is writing a book, Jesus on Money. Make sure you check that out. And then if you're interested in biblical financial stewardship and teaching others how to do it, David is focused on doing that and helping pastors and church leaders to do that. So check out stewardshippastors.com. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. right.
folks, a lot of people are missing this tool because you can't get guarantees in a lot of places. And the companies that are offering these guarantees, as, as David said earlier, these are large financial services companies, heavily regulated, heavily capitalized, that are there to provide these benefits to consumers.